Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Nick Usborne. And Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. I've been really looking forward to this. Thanks. I I appreciate you being with us and being on the show today. We're going to chat about Nick's entrepreneurial journey, and then we're going to dive into uh, copywriting, conversational copywriting, as he calls it specifically. But let me tell you a little bit about Nick. Nick is an expert in copywriting and web writing. He has written copy for some of the world's biggest brands, including Citibank, Apple, Chrysler, MSN.com, New York Times, WebEx, the U.S. Navy, and others. Uh, lots of different organizations, as you can tell. He attributes his success to what he calls conversational copywriting. And he's here today to share his approach to help you write persuasive and effective copy, particularly online. Uh, after writing uh, web copy for nearly two decades now, Nick began teaching companies and organizations how to write for better websites. A few years later, he began converting his corporate training materials into courses and programs for freelance writers and copywriters and small business owners like us. Uh, today, Nick continues to immerse himself in teaching the craft of conversational copywriter, copywriting. Rather, uh, When his book, NetWords, NetWords, was published in 2002, it was one of the very first to address the new profession of writing for the web specifically. In 2017, he founded Conversational Copywriting. That's the name of his company, which offers free content, a bunch of free content there, and paid programs to help you improve your copywriting skills. Uh, Nick lives in Montreal, Quebec, in Canada. And so today we're going to chat about his interesting entrepreneurial journey, how he got to where he is today. And then we're going to chat about some specific advice, takeaways on how to improve our copywriting skills. So once again, Nick Osborne, welcome to the show. Thank you. You make, I'm trying, I was trying to work out in my mind, but you're just making me sound good or just make me sound really old. <laughs> well, it could be a combination there. All right. That's the way I feel. It's like, <laughs> Hey, still standing when you're still standing. I've been, I've been a copywriter for 40 years now. So wow. I guess if you're still standing after 40 years, you can't be all bad. That's right. You must be doing something right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I definitely you are, but I want to, I do want to go back to the beginning of those 40 years and, and get a feel for uh, the start of your career. Did, did you attend college? I did not. Uh, I had a place at college. I had a place at, <laughs> I had a place at Cambridge university, which wow. uh, in England. Uh, but I was kind of going through a bit of a rebellious stage at that point in my life and decided not to go, <laughs> which is kind of weird in hindsight. But no, I, I apprenticed myself to a stonemason. I became a stonemason's apprentice. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. And so then where did you go from there? 
I uh, did that for a couple of years and then I, I thought, well, this is interesting, but I wanted, I was, I, anyway, I basically moved to London and went to art college. And then a friend of mine came around for a beer about after, after about a year at art college in London behaving badly. And mm. he, he said, hey, Nick, why don't we hitchhike to Kathmandu in Nepal? Oh, my. So I said, well, that sounds like a fine idea. Um, so I dropped out of art college and we started walking to Kathmandu. And um, after a couple of months, we, we were in central Turkey. Remember, this is, uh, this is like, Oh, this is like 19, I'm trying to think, probably 1976, something like wow. that. So very different world. You could, you, could across, you could hitchhike across Iran and Afghanistan. A very different world back then. Amazing. Anyway, by the time we got to central Turkey, I got kind of bored with the, with the traveling. I just wanted to be somewhere. So I said, you know what, I'm going to stay here. And I, I rented what was actually a 7th century troglodyte chapel carved out of the mountainside high above a village in central turkey and i stayed there <laughs> my friend carried on to Kathmandu, so i basically uh, did nothing for a year and my friend when he was walking back hitchhiking back he thought well i better just check in Nick, just in case he's still here and i was oh my so he, he finds me there with my long hair staring at my navel and says nick i think it's time we got you home <sighs> I said, okay, which is really the story of my entrepreneurial journey is me saying, okay. So I get home, my dad's kind of there relieved to see I'm still in one piece. Uh, but my father gently shovels me out the house and says, I think you should get to London and get a job and um, come, come back home once you've got a proper job. <laughs> um, so I did, I went and stayed at my friend's house in London and I slept on the floor in the upstairs bathroom. And one day everyone was gathered together having breakfast on a Sunday or whatever. And, and one guy was talking about his work and it sounded fun. And I said, what do you do? He said, I work at an ad agency. <laughs> and I said, what's an ad agency? Cause I had no idea. Um, and he told me and I said, is that, is that a fun job? And he said, oh yeah, it's a riot, which it was in the seventies for sure. This is like almost in the times of, this is the kind of closing era of mad men advertising. Right. So they all went to work and I took out the yellow pages and I typed on a manual typewriter, of course, back then, uh, a letter, a one page letter to about 20 different ad agencies, all beginning with the letter A, B or C in the <laughs> yellow pages. And out of those 20 letters, and I had no qualifications other than sitting in, <laughs> sitting in the mountainside in Turkey. Um, so I, I don't know. I, anyway, I got three interviews, one job offer, and I took it. Do you remember more or less what, what the letter said? I do not. I've often wondered about that. But it was, there was clearly something that was caught people's attention. Maybe it was, I probably talked a little bit about what I've been up to for the last few years. Ah. They probably thought, well, this guy's got no qualifications, but he sounds a little different, a little oddball. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll give him a try. So I went into that agency and they threw me around all the different departments, like the media department, the the production department and finally into the creative department. And they said, do you think you're a copywriter or a designer or an art director? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, I like writing, but I've been to art college. So they gave me a shot at both. And it turned out that like from the get go, I had this gift. I was from the get go without any training. I was a really good, well, I was a, at the very beginning, I was a competent, I was a decent copywriter. And that for me was transformational because I'd never really been, you know, nobody had ever told me I was good at anything in my life, really. I, I had no idea. I was, that's why I was wandering around central Turkey. I had no idea what to do, what my direction was going to be in life. And then I kind of 
fell into this job because my dad told me to get a job and this guy said the agency world was fun and I discovered I was really good at it and it was transformational for me like suddenly to realize you're good at something. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. Did, were, do you, when you thought back, were you good at writing when you were in grade school? I mean, before graduating? Yeah, it was one of my strong subjects, but that was like, you know, academic. It was school stuff. It right. wasn't copywriting. It wasn't business, commercial stuff. I had absolutely no, even, even when I got into the creative department, I knew that I had this instinctive admiration for the creative group as opposed to I don't know, production or media or print buying or whatever. I knew I wanted to end up in the creative department, but I had no idea I would be good at it and that I would love it so much because I just fell in love with the craft of copywriting from day one. Were you a, a big reader when you were younger? Um, I, I was and am. Uh, my wife, the, if, if my wife ever divorces me, it's, <laughs> it's, the, the basement is stacked full of thousands of books. That'll be the battle is over the books, right? Yeah, I'm a ridiculously voracious reader. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that has to have been part of it. All right. So you get this incredible opportunity that, that yeah. you went after and, and then that becomes your early career. Yeah, well, we, we, I'm working there, and and then there's a there's a group of three older people who've been there for like years, and they take me out for a beer one evening. And say, hey, Nick, we're gonna we're gonna go and start an agency. Do you wanna do you wanna join us as as one of the founders of this new small agency in London? So this was another point in my life where I said, okay. <laughs> I mean, literally, it was like, okay. You had no fears. You didn't think about, it just sounded fun, I suspect. I, I did not. And, and, and again, it, there's a couple of things. It's that it, at that age, I had nothing to lose. I had no wife. I had no family. You know, I was just a kid making some decent money. And so somebody says, hey, let's start an agency. And I'm like, okay. But that, that mindset, and, and maybe a little bit, I don't know whether it's fearlessness or delusion or what, but every time I've made a jump, like, like when I got into the online world, so I'm jumping forward a lot of years now. When I said I wrote my first website back in 1995. Mm -hmm. So I was very, very early on in that space. Um, and then, you know, things happen. Like the first time I spoke at an event, it was because somebody I knew was meant to speak and he kind of bottled out at the end and he said, Hey Nick, uh, I've got this, this is a speaking gig coming up in Seattle. It's, you'll be talking to about a thousand people. And I'd, I'd never given the talk in my life. I didn't know, I'd never used PowerPoint in my life. At that point I was kind of doing writing for the web stuff, but I had no business. I had no website. I had no card. I had nothing. And he said, will you do it? And I said, okay. <laughs> um, and, and it, everything, everything has been like that. The, I, I don't think there's anything I've done, particularly not the big leaps forward. Hey, I had dinner with someone a couple of years later and he was just having his second book published through McGraw Hill in, in New York city. And he said, Hey, you should, uh, you should write to my editor and tell her that you want to write a, you want them to publish a book on writing for the web. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and and I, I mean, literally just all of these points in my life, because when I, once I'd done the speaking and I had the book, then all of a sudden companies, rightly or wrongly, felt I knew what I was talking about. You know what I mean? It's like this, you've, you've, now you've got some authority. Right. For me, where with the speaking gigs and the book from a new, major New York publisher, it's like then the big companies that you know, some of the ones you read out were like, oh, well, if he's published by McGraw-Hill, he must be good, whether I am or not. 
Right. Yeah, um, no, it definitely gave you some authority. Yeah. But Nick, you know, let's talk about that one as an example, because often what keeps us in the, the, the having the, um, the wherewithal or the desire to say, okay, I'll, I'll see if I get my book published. That was a very, that's a personal work and it could be, you could have dealt with rejection, the fear of that, the fear of putting it out and nobody would read it. That fear of embarrassment or rejection is often what keeps us from not saying, okay, did you just never have that? Or were you just able to always quickly overcome any fear that you did have? Man. Okay. You sound like my therapist now. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't ring a bell. I don't think I worried about that stuff. And and that's part of the, um, I sometimes refer this to the the power of self delusion. Um, Like that first time I stood up on a, on a stage and spoke, I actually got my first, I got my first three clients from that tour. And like I say, I had no website, no business card, nothing, nothing to demonstrate that I knew I was talking about. Um, But I got my first three clients simply because I was standing on the stage. So I don't don't have a fear of public speaking. I didn't have a fear over the book. Uh, That said, uh, I know that I, I feel bad if I, uh, you know, that the rejection thing. Hey, like if you, if you, I, we don't know each other really, but it, but it, but if I ask you, Hey, I really, really, really want to be on your podcast. Can we do it right now? And you said, no, right. I feel, I'd feel a bit of a sting. I don't mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And throughout my career as a, when I, when I, when my career was purely as a freelance copywriter and I was having to get work from clients, um, I did inbound marketing all the time. In other words, I put content out there. Uh, you know, thousands of articles and blog posts and dozens of speeches and stuff like that. So that companies would reach out to me and say, would you work with us? And I did it that way because Mm. what I didn't want is to meet for is the outbound marketing where I ring up, make a phone call or send an email and say, Oh, Hey, I'd love to work with you. And then three people say no in a row and it stings. It hurts. I hate that. So yeah, I'm, I'm super susceptible to that kind of rejection. But it doesn't, it doesn't seem to have got in the way at all when it comes to the bigger kind of career steps. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. All right, so that agency that you were part of founding with the other two guys or so, that, that was your first business venture then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, and, and again, I suddenly discovered I was fascinated by that. Like yeah. the whole, you know, the small business, how a small business works. It was our first, um, that's where I learned about cash flow. And that you can be incredibly profitable and make a ton of money, but still die mm-hmm. over cash. Because we nearly did. We had a disastrous month one year. Um, and, and it was the cash flow problem nearly killed us. So it's just, just all the kind of, yeah, small business creation. I, that, that was my first taste of that. And I, and I, I was totally hooked on that too. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of, I love small business. I'm less of a fan of huge business. I, I love the the courage of small business people uh, when they step out and put everything on the line and try something. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So how did you end up in Canada? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a whole different. That's, that's, you'd, have to, you'd have to pour a few beers down me. Ah, I see. There's there's to, something to involved. There's a there's a whole separate backstory. Oh, another another. But yeah. let's just say you're. You, how long have you been in Canada? How about that question? All right, I came over. We came over in 1988. So, okay, uh, yeah, been here, been here over 30 years now. So. Been here for a while. Okay, I, I want to go. I want st- We'll start to talk about copywriting, but I'm always interested in the creative process. 
And so I'm interested in how you go about creating writing and what techniques and habits you use. Everybody is different. And I'm always curious as to how people create. What, what is your process for writing? Do you have a time of day that you write better? Do you outline, you know, walk me through that. And are there things that you do on a repeated basis or is it always different? Okay. I'm generally better in the morning than the afternoon. Uh, so I can get a day's work done between eight and nine 30. If I, I, I can, I can, I can focus like crazy. I can, my, my wife and daughter can dance around me pulling funny faces. And if I'm <laughs> focused on my work, I don't even know they're there. Really? So I can get a day's work done in like about an hour and a half on, on, on a good day if I'm totally immersed in something. So, but I, my best hours tend to be in the morning. And so the creative, the tough stuff I do in the morning, uh, afternoons, not so much. So I do the less demanding administrative catching up with phone call stuff. I'll sometimes get this weird burst at like nine or 10 in the evening where I'll suddenly sit down and do another hour's work. And that can be a super productive time. I am, um, you talked, uh, how did you say it? Do I, do I outline stuff? Um, if, yeah, especially when you're writing a longer piece, a blog post, an article, uh, how do you go about that? I absolutely do. Um, and the longer the piece, the more I outline. So let, if I were writing, if I'm writing a course, a teaching course, mm -hmm. um, I outline it by lecture, by content, by or a book. And, and if, if, if it's a book, I outline it by chapter, by subheadings within the chapter. I discovered years ago that the more time I spend on outlining, the faster I get the entire project done. Mm. Because basically when I sit down to write the book or the course or the, the webinar or whatever it is, if my outline is just right, then I don't have to think anymore. I just sit down and fill in the gaps. I just have to type. So yeah. all, the, all the hard work for me is in the, so even a blog post, like a, like a 600 word blog post, I'll write in a, uh, a headline. I'll write, I'll write the subheads before I write the text. So again, I have it outlined. As soon as I have it outlined, uh, then it's easy. So I'm a huge preparer. I'm also a multi-draft writer. Mm. I, ne I never, whether I'm writing a blog post or a web page or a sales letter or w whatever it is, I know that my, the first draft, particularly the headline or the subject line or whatever, is never going to be my best. So I don't, I don't put any pressure on myself. I just throw in a first version of a headline because I know that I'm going to change it and improve it. I do this. I'm, I'm, a, I'm constantly, when I'm teaching other copywriters, I'm saying, take the pressure off. Just relax. Just, just write the first draft in the knowledge that it's only a first draft. Yeah, I, I love that tip. That's that's what I use as well. And I was going to ask, do you ever have times when you have writer's block or you just get stuck? But this is a great way to address that, I suspect. You don't put that pressure on trying to write the masterpiece in the first draft. You just get it right. down. It doesn't matter how good or bad it is. You just get it down on paper. Fair? Yeah. And and, and also the, the writer's block thing, you know, I get it for, I, I got a couple of friends who write uh, fiction and they they kind of, talk to me about writer's block for us for I don't I don't for me I, I'm going to sound a bit rough here but I think for copywriters for commercial writers writer's block is is an excuse we're, we're craftspeople all right yeah there's creativity involved but we're craftspeople just sit down and do the job and it's uh, an excuse for what Nick for not just getting down and doing it 
just getting the work done. Just, just get to work, do yeah. the work. It's just yeah. sit down and, and like, you know, and yeah, write a crappy draft. It's okay. You can come back and improve it. That's right. But if you sit there thinking, Oh, I'm waiting for the muse. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, and I think I really, this is, I really yeah. do see myself as a craftsman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as with any craftsman, there's creative elements, but you know, Hey, if I hire a roofer, I don't expect to see the roofer sort of sitting on the roof doing nothing saying I'm waiting for inspiration. That's I right. Just do the roofing. And for me, it's do the writing, even if the first draft is crappy. Yeah. There's a discipline component to it. And I think this is a big takeaway even for those listening who are not going to become copywriters as their profession. But the reason we're talking about this is as small business owners, we, that responsibility often does fall on us uh, to, to make sure that the way our website is written, for example, uh, right. takes some of these same techniques to mind. Or if, if we're writing a blog post or a letter or a memo or whatever it might be, I think a lot of these same principles apply. Right. And I am like, a, as a writer or as a business person, I, I'm highly self-disciplined. So I, I work at home and I, and I have done for most of my career. And, and I'm very structured, very, very self-disciplined. Uh, I set out what I'm going to do. I do what I do and I tell myself I'm going to do it. Uh, no, ex- no excuses. This is like a, the extreme responsibility approach. <laughs> yeah. Now, that, that wasn't the guy who was uh, somewhere in... Uh somewhere in Turkey for a year. (laughs) I know who to thought, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That guy grew up obviously. (laughs) All right. So introduce conversational copywriting. What is it and how is it different from traditional copywriting? All right. So I, I, am going to create an artificial divide between offline and online just to make a point. uh, And then I'll go back and, and clarify what I mean. So old school copywriting before the web, was broadcast copywriting. You know, when I, the first 15, 20 years of my career, I was writing press ads. Uh, my colleagues were writing TV ads, radio spots. Uh, this is one way broadcast advertising. So if, if, if you're watching TV and you see my ad, you can't send an ad back to me through the TV. It's a one way broadcast medium. So what we used to do then as copywriters, as creatives, was we would broadcast a sales message at an audience, all right? Then along comes the web. The web is not a one-way medium. Uh, You can speak to me through uh, Facebook, your Facebook page, and I can speak straight back to you through the comment stream. It's an interactive medium, it's a multi-way medium. In fact, individuals, consumers, create more content online each day than companies and media companies and advertisers do. This is a shared medium. So the whole concept of broadcasting a message at an audience is kind of odd now. You're far better off crafting your copy, your sales messages, so that you are interacting and engaging with your audience. Because now you're mindful of the fact that your audience can talk back. In fact, they can bite back if they don't like mm-hmm. what you're saying. Right. Or if you, if you, so, so that's really the, the key difference with conversational copywriting is it's recognizing that the, the web is a different medium, it's an interactive multi-way medium, and that you're better off engaging with an audience, sharing a message with an audience rather than broadcasting. Hey, in, in old school copywriting, again, it, it was kind of adversarial. It was us against them. I would push as hard as I could to get the money out of your wallet. If I do that online, and some people do try to do that online, you feel this pushback of like, hey, 
back off, buddy. Don't, you know, I'm sure we've all seen ads or received emails where people are just pushing too hard and we don't like it and we push back. So I, I think there is a, a whole different way of, and particularly for small business. Hey, I was listening to one of your podcasts a while back. It was the one with Carrie McKeegan. Yes. Right. So, and you were asking her about how she launched her online business. I think it was to do with, uh, yeah, U.S. tax preparation for people living overseas. And she said that she and her husband, you know, were exposed to all these different ways, the tips and tricks, you know, the tips and tricks and techniques of online marketing and SEO Mm -hmm. marketing. And I was really struck because she, she said they made a conscious choice not to go down that road not to take the easy button approach, not to go the kind of hard charging adversarial way, but to actually step back and say, you know, this is for the long haul. We want to develop relationships that are more, I don't know, respectful, open, transparent. We don't want to do that kind of easy button, hard charge online marketing thing. And and I remembered that because I thought, yeah, exactly. And, And that is so, it is such a good fit for a small business. I, I, was, I was looking at, a, I received an email the other day from somebody who wants to prepare my backyard for the winter. All right. <laughs> local company, local business said, hey, we're going to come and put your garden to bed. And at the end, he said, this offer expires Friday at midnight. Call now. And I thought, no, no, you're a local business. You're a local company. Don't talk to me like that. Don't talk to me like you're some kind of crazed direct response online marketer. I don't care where you learned that from, but now it's discordant. You started off the email as my neighbor, as a neighborhood business, and then you finish off with that weird direct response pushing in my face adversarial language. No, don't do that. But but Nick, you probably, I suspect, picked that up from a lot of online marketers who take that scarcity approach. Right. And and, and it works for them, I think, perhaps in the short term. It just usually does not result in the type of long-term relationships with our clients and customers that we ideally want. Is that, is that part of it? I think that is exactly right. Uh, I, I, I was asked by someone, I was challenged by someone, with a, somebody was saying about conversational copywriting that, oh, that sounds like the kind of West Coast granola approach, <laughs> you know. But if you, because I've done direct response copywriting myself in my career, I know how to do it. I know how to do all of that stuff, the scarcity, the urgency, that. I can manipulate you from breakfast till supper time if I want. Sure. But you're absolutely right. It's all about, is this a short term? This is, this, this, this is what Carrie McKeegan was saying, is that, yes, I might get a short term advantage, but what about the long term? Will, will that customer come back? Will they tell their friends? Will they become fans and advocates of my business? Or will they have this slightly unpleasant sense that I kind of tricked them? Yeah, that they were manipulated. And again, to your point, in this new world, uh, while I, when I was a kid and we only had three television stations, I had to endure that blasting that was one way. Now I very quickly swipe or click and I'm off your message. Right, right. So, So that's what conversational copywriting is about. Now, that said, when I look at some of the copywriters I admired most when I very first started out back in London, uh, people like David Abbott, Susie Henry, and like, like I, there was, I was just a complete fanboy for some of those copywriters. <laughs> when I go back now and I read their print ads, so this is way before the web, it was one-way medium, the very best of them, you can actually read out their copy 
out loud and it it feels like someone just talking to you across the kitchen table mm -hmm. they, they were right the best copywriting has always been conversational it's always had this natural authentic flow to it no nothing adversarial nothing manipulative none of the rush rush hurry hurry i mean i think the best sales the best copywriting has always been this way it's just with the web because it's an interactive medium uh, it's just so much more accessible it's much easier for us for us now to take that interactive kind of transparent approach to to sales and copywriting yeah and, and the platform and those of us all of us on it demand that this is henry lopez and i want to invite you to a free website health checkup webinar that i will be co-hosting on december 5th just text the word how h-o-w to 66866 to receive more information. During this 45 minute webinar, we will share lots of valuable and free information to help you determine if your business website is secure and easy to find and use. I'll be joined by Adam Kirk, a website expert and the founder of Ustas, which is one of our service partners. During the webinar, we will focus on SSL certificates, search engine optimization or SEO, and other topics, but from a business perspective, this will not be technical. And we're gonna help you validate the health of your business website. For more information, please visit thehowabusiness.com or simply text the word how, H-O-W, to 66866 right now. Join us on December 5th for this free online webinar. You say that we've lost the capacity to write like a regular person. Why is that? Uh, why have we lost that ability, do you think? Is it because when we're writing as small business owners, where we're writing, let's say, the text is going to be on my website or an ad, that we think we have to mimic the big brands that, that do more one direction? Why do we get so hung up on this and are, are not able to do it? Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. I think, I, I think it, in part, I wrote a blog post about this a little while ago. In, in part, it's our educational system. Mm, okay. Uh, where we are taught to write properly. We are taught to write in the exact correct way to get a high mark in our exams. Uh, it gets even worse if you go into college, which I never did, but that's what I hear. Um, you go to a company, a business, they have, they, maybe they have a, a style guide. They're, again, and now you're taught how to write reports mm -hmm. and how to, and all of it is like the, the more deeply you get into that. Like when I read it, I'm like, seriously, what, what, what on earth? Would, it, it, I almost have to, it's like a foreign language. I have to translate from business <laughs> writing into regular English. Um, so so I, I, I think we have natural language skills beaten out of us at school and at work. And we forget what we, all, we always knew as kids, you know, in conversation with our friends. Uh, we, we, know how to, we know how to talk and we can actually write in the same way. It's just that we've been, school and business has taught us this weird secondary, slightly odd language. No doubt. Now, Nick, does the whole, you know, having the whole focus on keywords, do you think that also uh, throws us and that we're trying to get certain keywords into our writing? It can do, uh, which is why right from the very beginning, Google has always said, do not write for us, write for your readers. Yeah. Because uh, I've seen terrible writing that is optimized 
for SEO. And it's, it's ridiculous. Why? Okay. So you, you, you got yourself up a little bit higher in the search results, but when yeah. people read that page, they're shaking their head and thinking, Are they, what's this guy saying? Yeah. And again, it's a short-term solution. No one's going to share that page very often. Nobody's going to come back to it. It won't become right. evergreen. And so in the long term, it doesn't help you. In addition to which, today, with their kind of AI behind them, natural language processing behind them, uh, Google and the other search engines, they do not need those, you know, the, those SEO cues the way they used to. Yeah. Uh, the Google computers now, the AI systems are perfectly capable of understanding natural language in the same way that you and I are. Yeah. All right. So you talked about grammar. That's one of the five, as you talk about the five simple ways to improve or start writing conversationally. Right. I, I didn't quite follow the, I'm starting to follow it now, as you explained it, the number five, which is stop freaking out about grammar, you say. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not to be confused because, the, you know, for me, I get all tense when I, when I see typos. You're not saying that's okay. You're saying, when you say don't get freaked out about grammars, as you just explained, I'm not writing an English essay for class. I'm not writing a a corporate manual. This is a conversation that I'm trying to have with a prospective right. customer. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. And it's when it, in a sense, that advice is self-serving because I'm not very good at grammar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that said, I have like Grammarly, that little, uh, that app mm -hmm. kind of installed on my computer and it keeps trying to correct my grammar. <laughs> and, and I say, no, thank you. Because Again, I'm, I'm trying to write in the way that I speak, not exactly the same way as I speak, because we actually, when we speak, uh, we're actually very inefficient with our use of words. We tend mm -hmm. to circle around, repeat ourselves and stuff. But there is a, there's something disarming about conversational language when you feel that the person is speaking to you in the same way that they might if they were sitting across from your kitchen table. So I don't mind starting a paragraph with the word and. I don't, I don't mind writing a very short sentence that doesn't even have a verb in it because if I can make it flow and feel natural, like I'm, I'm a person hey, and it's a small business owner. You, you talked about how business language, sometimes maybe you're copying big companies in terms of their formal approach to language on their websites. Right. As a small business, your, your business advantage as a small company is actually your proximity to your prospect, to your customer, your ability to talk to them like neighbors, like regular people. You, you don't need, you absolutely do not want to copy some big, large company, which is like nobody feels close or, or loyal to a large company that is this big kind of blob. Whereas a small business, you can feel, you can be far more inclined to feel loyal to a small business because you can feel the humanity there. So you absolutely don't want to talk like a big company because you're undermining your advantage. Your advantage is that you're real people, much closer potentially to your customers. So for goodness sake, write and speak that way. So they hear you, they feel you as being people like them. So now you're, now you're kind of disarming objections. You've got this empathy thing happening. You're connecting with them emotionally. They get to like you as a small business. And when they like you and they trust you, 
because who among us trusts a really large business? If you can engender a high level of trust, then yeah, they're far more likely to buy from you. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I think that one of the challenges sometimes, Nick, is we think, depending on our business, we think we have to come across quote unquote professional or, uh, you know, polished or whatever. And we confuse that with the style of writing. We think that the only way to communicate that is through a more formal style of writing. Right. So, but also let me qualify something about conversational copywriting because sometimes people say to me, oh, but I'm in business to business. I can't do conversational copywriting. And I say, look, don't, when I talk about conversational copywriting, don't make the mistake that I'm saying be chatty all the time because you can actually hold a formal conversation. So I, I can, if, if I'm B2C and I have a very light heart, you know, I'm selling something that's really not important, but fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's a piece of uh, a backyard sports equipment or something. I can be chatty for sure. If it's B2B and I'm selling you some software, some computer software, I'm not going to be chatty because it's business to business. I mean, you know, it, this software is important to your company, but I can still be conversational as if I were there face to face with you. Like, and, and, and again, one of the things, one of the challenges I, I put out to people is about their writing, where they're being formal with their writing. I say, look, print that out, go home, sit in front of your, your husband or wife or, or your neighbor and read that out loud. If you feel embarrassed, if you sound like an idiot reading out loud the text, then change it. That, that kind of, the reading out loud of, of, of your website copy can be quite an eye opener because suddenly you realize, oh my goodness, nobody talks in uh, 30 word compound sentences, <laughs> 10 words that have more than 10 letters in them. Yeah. Like, wow, people, there's no way I would, even if I were talking with my most technical colleagues, there's no way I'd talk like that. I would never structure a sentence like that or use all those ridiculous, weird words like that. That's, so, so think about how you would have that formal conversation with a technical colleague. It's still going to be very different from a lot of the gobbledygook that I read on company websites, particularly on their about pages, which are generally ghastly. <laughs> I agree. Great tip. And it's amazing. Sometimes I'll read stuff and it's like, I don't know what that just said. It sounded like a bunch of gobbledygook. I, I don't know really what they do still. <laughs> I know. And if you have it, and what's amazing is you can actually read like 300 words. And at the end, if you actually ask yourself, okay, what do I know now? I didn't know before. And you suddenly right. realize it's like, I have no idea. I, I have no idea. idea. And so what, but <laughs> going back to one of your original points, what it makes me feel like is I must be stupid uh, or they're not for me because we're, we, we can't communicate. Right. right? So I'm going to go elsewhere. Yes. All or, right. Hey, or it's just not a good fit for me. It's not I, a good fit. Exactly. You know, you've just allowed yeah. me to qualify myself out. That's right. Exactly. Right. Five simple ways uh, to make our marketing copy more conversational. It is a download. It's a great download. And it's on, uh, right. on the page, excuse me, conversationalcopywriting.com forward slash the how. Be sure to get that free download. Number one is visualize yourself in conversation with one person. We've talked about that. Right. Yes. Number two, start trying to write persuasive arguments. Help me with that one a little bit. Give me an example there, if you would. Persuasive arguments. I guess it's a, it's, it's, it's a starting point. So, so let's say uh, you and your wife are going to go on a vacation, you, you go, but you haven't decided where you're going to go yet. 
and uh, you want to go to that resort down uh, south of Cancun that you really enjoyed. And she says, no, I want to go hiking in um, Portugal. And you are, you're both feeling really passionate about your choices and you're going to try and persuade each other that you're going to persuade her to go to Cancun. She's going to try to persuade you to go to uh, Portugal. And, and think about how you do that. So you're going to say to her, honey, do you remember the last time we even just walked five miles and how you hated that? And she's going to say, oh, but those resorts. So our whole lives, all of us are selling and persuading. We sell and persuade to our spouses, to our children. Just last night, I was selling my teenage daughter on the benefits of doing her homework. <laughs> I'm being persuasive, but it's one-on-one. -on -one. It's part of life. We, we do it all the time. We, we go to work we're, or we're choosing coffee or we're, like I say, trying to have, having not an argument, but a discussion about where to go on a vacation. We're constantly in persuasion mode. Uh, as individuals throughout our lives, we're selling all the time. But it's not done in this formal business marketing, stuff them in a sales funnel way. All right. This is just persuasive conversation. It's the kind of stuff we do. It comes naturally to us. We do it all the time. Right. So I'm just saying, take that natural way of persuasion and turn that into your writing, into your sales copy. Don't do the formal, clever tips and tricks, stuff them in a sales funnel, automated copy system thing. Because that creates distance. Yeah. Now, now, some of what a lot of people are doing in those funnels, and I just want to get your thoughts on, or about, you know, like with this download, right? Here's, here's yes. some information, make you want more developing a relationship. You're okay with that. It's just how we write the copy to get people through those steps that needs to be more conversational. Yeah? I use marketing automation. So yes, somebody yep. put in their email address, I send them something as a reward, and then I'm going to follow up a couple of times. So whether or not they get then get they can either get ticked off with me because i'm relentlessly pressuring them to buy something or they can say hey i like being engaged with nick because he's kind of sending me this cool information and i'm actually going to look forward to his stuff when it appears in my inbox so very different outcomes there uh, and i and i'm really mind i'm constantly signing up for stuff because i want to see how other companies do this yeah uh, and I'm very sensitive to that thing of, hey, I love this stuff, or, hey, this is, they're just pushing too hard. They, they don't, even though they say, hey, Nick, they, they, they you know, the salutation, even, even the tone may feel conversational. It's like that kind of false, you're my real buddy stuff when they're not. Even, even when the tone feels conversational, if their intent is actually high pressure to, to get me to buy stuff now, then that comes through. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I had, we won't, we don't have time to go through all five steps. You really <laughs> need to download this guide. It's a free guide and it's great stuff. So definitely take advantage of that. And we'll have a link on the show notes page to this episode to that download page. So be sure to get that. But I had asked you to take a look at some copy that I had on one of my websites, <laughs> uh, which, right. which is a software company. And, uh, and so I don't have don't want to bore everybody through reading it in detail, but I had what was, I guess, probably three or four paragraphs worth of content and you, so some of the things, and then you rewrote it for me and your rewritten version, I'm going to read that. It says our software makes it super easy to run your car wash locations at peak efficiency and profitability. 
tasks, orders, and checklists. They're all automated. And you can see what's happening at any site in real time, wherever you are. So you took what I had written, which was a lot more verbose, a lot, some bigger words. Uh, for example, I would have never written super easy. And I still don't know if I can use that because <laughs> again, it still has to be my tone to an extent, right? But the key takeaway for me here, <laughs> the key takeaway for me here is you communicated conversationally in right. a lot less words the gist of what I'm trying to get people to understand when they come to this website. All right. So Cohen, you got to be fair now. Read, read your first sentence. Oh my gosh. My first sentence, uh, the car wash operating system is a task and maintenance management software solution designed for the car wash industry by car wash owners. Right. So I, you, you're describing something uh, like task and maintenance management software solution. Uh, and I'm afraid, I'm sorry, you, you get an immediate demerit for ever using the word solution in your copy. <laughs> That's one of those I, words that falls into that category of, you know, solution. What is that? Sounds impressive. I know. So, but you're describing something mm -hmm. like, like your solution. I'm just, I'm doing the same thing, but I'm describing the outcome. I'm saying our software, I'm, that's all I'm going to say is our software. I'm not talking about management solutions. I'm just saying our software makes it super easy to run your car wash locations. It's, that, that's what you actually want to say to me, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, because that, that in my text is buried down farther in and it's not as right. simple and direct. Right. So if I'm being mean to you, I, I got to wade through a whole bunch of blah, blah, blah before I get to the point that's interesting. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah. Before yeah. I click away or go to another, another right. item in my search when I was right. searching for software for my car wash. And also, when you read out my version, it, it does kind of trip off the tongue a little easier. I mean, I, I get it. Maybe we'll do a second draft and we'll change the phrase super easy. Well, yeah, no, I was, I was making light of that because the yeah. point is I still have to write this in, with my tone, but there's a dramatic difference structurally between what you rewrote and what I wrote. Right. And again, the keys are you get, you're getting to the benefit right off the bat in a conversational style that doesn't get buried in all of these flowery words. You sound like a person. You see, in my version, is written by a person. The first, the first version is, is like, I'm not sure. That's more like written by some kind of marketing. It's written by somebody in corporate in the communications yeah. department. And but you, but um, you're, you're a small business, right? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, but, that's, but that's my background, right? So, right. so, so I'm, maybe, I'm maybe hurted should, by that. Maybe you should feel comfortable saying super easy. You're right. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, huge takeaways right. for me there. And it, I think it's a great example. And I think I'll put this on the show notes page okay. before and after. <laughs> so that people can compare and, and get what we're talking about here because right. it's, a, it's a huge lesson. I always love to apply it to a specific example that I can follow. So, okay. And I got some copywriting services for free from you, so that, that was great too. That's true. I'll, I'll have to send you an invoice. One million dollars. <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> love it. All right, good. Thanks for doing that, and thanks for um, – for, you know, talking about it. And that's great insights there. Um, all right, let's start to wrap it up. Uh, summarize for us the programs and services you currently offer your clients. I am, I'm, I'm all about kind of teaching and instruction now. So, you know, 40, 40 years into the game, um, I, I'm doing far less 
client work, almost no client work, except for a few kind of people I've known in a long time. Uh, mainly I'm into training and teaching now. And the, the course that I, I kind of find myself most passionate about that I teach is the conversational copywriting course. So that's what the, the website's all about. Uh, there's a ton of, like you alluded to earlier, there's a ton of free content in terms of blog posts. Uh, there's dozens and dozens of blog posts there. Uh, that you can dive into, but also the free downloads and the course itself. Um, and yeah, that's where it, it's, it's weird. It's like I'm circling back to the early 80s about the kind of approach to copywriting that I, that I loved back there. And, and it's, it's almost like I've done full circle. Hmm. Um, I love small business. I love honest, open, transparent sales copy. I love the craft of it. I love how well it can be written if you really want to. Yeah. So that's, this, this is, I'm all over this right now. I'm loving it. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And as I mentioned at his website, which is conversationalcopywriting.com forward slash the how we've got the free download there that we've been referring to as well as then you'll get access to some videos, all great content. Right. Um, and if you want to check them out, I, I'm like, when I was doing the research, you have a lot of free videos on your uh, Facebook page as well as on YouTube. I believe yeah. I was watching yeah. them. Yeah. And that, that'll give you a good, great feel for, for Nick's approach and style. Um, and so I would recommend that as well. Books, we obviously have established we both love reading. Is there a book uh, that comes to mind that, uh, that you would recommend? I actually have. I was forewarned about your passion. <laughs> so I have three books lined up to recommend. I, I don't read books about copywriting. I read books all around the kind of edges. So the first one, which is amazing is called unconscious branding how neuroscience can empower and inspire marketing it's by douglas van prate p-r-a-e-t unconscious branding it is it's just anyone interested in marketing advertising copywriting just amazing amazing book i, I never put so many little i use these little kind of little tiny little post-it tab things mm -hmm. and this book looks like a hedgehog. <laughs> I should give up. It's almost like every page I put a marker on. That's funny. So the second one is a book, and again, totally kind of not about copywriting. It's called Conversational Intelligence by Judith E. Glazer. And the Conversational Intelligence, How Great Leaders Build Trust and Get Extraordinary Results. And, and it's really interesting because it's about not conversational writing, mm -hmm. but I learned a lot about it because it's about conversations that take place within companies. And in fact, how bad we are at conversations, at holding conversations. We're constantly kind of pushing to get our own point across and we're terrible listeners. We never give people space to talk or to develop their own thoughts because we always want to jump in with our side of the conversation. So that, that is a, a very deep, really interesting book. Uh, conversational intelligence, Judith E. Glazer. So I love that one. My third one, um, again, not about copywriting at all. It's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And he was the lead hostage negotiator for the FBI for many years. So this book is all about how you negotiate when the outcome is the life or death of hostages. And Chris Voss basically changed the way the FBI did it. They used to do it, and, and this is why I find it so interesting in our field. They used to do it in the, the kind of power balance adversarial, let's make a deal kind of approach with, with hostage takers. 
of what do you want, we'll give it to you, and you know, don't push too hard with the FBI. He noticed that didn't work. And then he said, you know what, we need to get into conversation. We need to empathize, not agree, but empathize with their situation, their position. We need to engage with them on an emotional level, which sounds insane for the FBI. Right. Uh, but he achieved extraordinary results with this and totally transformed the way hostage negotiators work. And I found that fascinating because it is an absolute kind of parallel discussion to the mm -hmm. discussion I have about sales online. Enough of the pushing. Let's have some more engagement. And if it works with the FBI and people who have taken, you know, terrorists who've taken people hostage, if it works in that situation, I think it can work for us as small companies. Yeah, fascinating. And I think it's, it's that point of the being persuasive in a conversational way as we apply yeah. it. But again, that person in this case, in this extreme, it's a, it's a, it's, a hostage it's a, taker, but you're still, it's the same psychological components, isn't it? Yeah, you're, you're, you're being persuasive without being adversarial. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Your understanding, like in your case, your car wash business, you you you, you got to under you got to empathize with your prospects and customers. You got to understand their worldview, what's important to them, what they love, what they hate, what they're scared of, what they hope for. Uh, the the closer you can get emotionally to those prospects, the better you're going to be at communicating with them and selling your stuff and being persuasive. Yeah, brilliant. Great recommendations. We'll have links to all of those on the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. All right, Nick, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we've had about conversational copywriting? Oh, wow. Uh, actually, I wrote something down, but I think I'm going to change it because uh, I thought you might ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say uh, spend less time writing at your audience and more time engaging with your audience. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think uh, I'm going to change that. I'm going to say enjoy your writing, enjoy the craft of copywriting, enjoy selling whatever product or service you sell. I think if you can enjoy it, I think everything else will naturally fall out of that. If you're going to enjoy it, you're not going to be adversarial or use weird business language. Enjoy it at a personal level, the way that, hey, if you, if you have a small business, it's because you feel passionate about it. I mean, you've, be, you, you've shown courage, you've shown determination. There's lots of stuff in the way of a successful small business. You're fighting for this. So enjoy it. And, and when you share that with your prospects, hey, even share your failures, whatever. Just, just be, be human. Oh, okay, hang on. I, I can, have I got time to change it one more time? I was listening to a song the other day by this English singer and songwriter. And the name of his new album is try to be more kind <laughs> which i think is good advice for the world right now just try, in general yeah, yeah try to be more kind and i can either kind of overlay that somehow with marketing is less push less battle less adversarial try to be more kind engage empathize and i think like it's a long game play but I think you build a much more successful business and, and you have a much deeper relationship with your prospects and customers as a result. I love that. And I think it also speaks to Nick, the challenge that we often have as small business owners where we get paralyzed because we think, why well, I can't write. I don't know how to write like corporate people do. 
but but letting go of that and realizing yeah. that really what it's about is a conversational style, which you're probably very good at when you're engaging one-on-one with a customer or yeah. having a conversation. That's the tone that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and, and when you care about that customer you're talking to, which you probably do, make sure that shines through in your writing as well. Great point. Uh, tell us again where you want us to go online to find out more. Uh, well, you can just start off at conversationalcopywriting.com and dig in and uh, that'll take you down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Absolutely. Nick, this has been a great conversation. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Very engaging, very enlightening. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. And I, I, I've had a great time. And, and as you know, as a host, it doesn't always work out that way when you have a conversation with a stranger. So I'm delighted. It's been, I've really, really enjoyed this. Thank you. I appreciate that. Great. This is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest again was Nick Usborne. We release new episodes Monday mornings, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.